Welcome to the A to the K Wrestling Show. Today we are joined by the genius himself, the wonderful Leaping Lanny Poffo. Uh, Lanny, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, the pleasure is mine. When you say A to the K, is that any reference on the speech impediment of the Iron Sheik? <laughs> I mean, so, you know, maybe subtly, uh, yeah. but, you know, also just the initials, but yeah, we'll go with it. Yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Good, good reference. Everything A to the Z. yeah absolutely um so i think obviously to to jump into things obviously um you know in your early career you spent a lot of time in the nwa you know in memphis and other kind of territories and but eventually you ended up joining you know your father's international championship wrestling promotion um where obviously you were a three-time world champion um i guess we just want to know what it was like working for your dad uh during that time well Truthfully, I was only working for myself, one-third, Randy one-third, my dad one-third, okay? Oh, okay? So 33 and a, 33 and a third percent. Uh, I was a silent partner, as silent right. as I could be. <laughs> and uh, the truth is, I never wanted to be um, investing in an opposition. I was happy just being on the road, changing territories, having fun, very little work, just in the ring. I uh, didn't have to worry about selling tickets or, you know, but what my job was, um, I was nowhere near the book, of course, mm-hmm. when my dad and my brother fought it out about that. <laughs> and then um, I was in charge of the picture table. I was, there was a, a magazine called um, Rolling Stone, and there was an advertisement for lithographs where you could get a thousand lithographs, black and white, that looked like black and white photos, but they had dots. This is back in the 1979, so mm-hmm. quality was maybe a little worse, <laughs> but it was, it was pretty good. And uh, so it was like, it came to six cents a picture. So I figured out in my genius brain, $1, 94% profit and uh, not too bad. And then my tag team partner, George Weingroff, had a great suggestion that if a wrestler leaves the territory or he's not a good seller, we have little grab bags. We put about 10 pictures in the bag and sell that for a dollar. That way we get about rid of all our remainders and get the dollar. And uh, just to keep it interesting, we put every once in a while a picture of the Macho Man or somebody else they liked, you know, just, to, just so there would be some, some incentive for a fan to keep buying a bag full of crap. <laughs> Brilliant. Nice. I like it. So, um, so how was it like working for my dad? Um, the truth is I never wanted to, but I did it anyway. Is that okay? I was the youngest in yeah. the family. And uh, I just, he used to say, leave follower, get out of the way. Um, <laughs> I said, well, I'd love to get out of the way, but I guess I'll follow. <laughs> Mm. No, I get that. Um, so, obviously, looking at the um, the ICW days, um, what I'd like to uh, what I'd like to ask if I could is um, when it comes to working both uh, in a team with and against your brother Randy, if um, if you could sort of talk about some of the differences and and sort of did you prefer being sort of working against or working in a team with him when it comes to the wrestling side? Working against him was better mm. because um, he would. He had a knack for bringing out my best, where a stranger doesn't have that knack at all. Yeah. So course, yeah, yeah. I used to listen to Randy in the ring and uh, always was good for me. You know, he, he always made his opponent look good, but he knew what I could do and when, and he was a perfectionist. And uh, he wasn't shy about if I did something wrong, he'd let me know. <laughs> but he did it with such a good personality that I didn't mind. Yeah, of course, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, you know, interesting about the whole perfectionist thing. Obviously, we saw a lot of stuff around, um, you know, the Ricky Steamboat match and stuff like that. So was he was he the same with you even back then, obviously, before, before that? He was never satisfied with any costume. His physique, he was never satisfied. He wasn't even satisfied with the Ricky Steamboat match. No. And he was never satisfied with any match or any outfit or any physique or any interview. And I was thinking, 
that's what made him the greatest of all time. Mm. But it also made him a little bit unhappy. And yeah. uh, because what I do, see, what I believe, now nobody ever claimed that I was the greatest wrestler that ever walked down the aisle. Woo! <laughs> you know, but my, my theory was do your best, forget the rest. And that way you don't stress and it's going to be fine. And, you, you know, it's, uh, nobody gets hurt. You do your best. Give the fans the best you can do. But if it doesn't work out, you know, that's all you can do, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, no, like, honestly, really interesting uh, p- uh, perspective. Um, so, obviously, after the ICW days, you made your way to WF at the time. As Leaping, Lanny Poffo, you'd bring the Frisbees to the ring with the poems on them. Um, whose idea was that? How did that kind of come about? I stole the idea from a guy named Al Costello. Oh, okay. Do you know who that is? No, I, I'm not. No, I've not heard of them. There was a tag team. You guys are very young. I hate you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, there was a tag team called the Fabulous Kangaroos. And they came to work for the WWF with Vincent Man Sr. And the manager was Wild Red Berry. And they brought... They're from Australia, legitimately, too. And they brought um, boomerangs into the ring, actually carved by Aborigines. Now, they can't throw those to the audience because you're going to kill somebody. (laughs) But Al Costello went to the printing shop and had cardboard or, I don't know, stock paper uh, boomerangs printed with pictures of Roy Hefferman, Al Costello, and information about them. And... um, Randy and I were just children, and uh, Al Costello just threw those to the audience. And um, we would scamper for them. And I remember one time I actually got one, and Randy plowed into me and took it from me. <laughs> you know, but I, I was just thinking, what a great gimmick, you know, to spark yeah. joy in the audience. And they were yeah. villains. So, command, can you imagine me as a babyface? Awesome. So, what I did was uh, I had little scrolls with poetry and I threw those to the audience. Well, guess what? It didn't get past the guardrail because they're not aerodynamic. Yep. So I said, well, I've got to throw something to the people, but what could I throw? I can't throw boomerangs because I don't have an Australian gimmick. And I said, Frisbees, I've got it. And I got all excited and I went to the um, printing place and I wrote a generic poem, put that on the, um, you know, that they would uh, blend in. And then 500 Frisbees I ordered. And then right when we would get down to the bottom of the 500, I was about to reorder. And it was getting over. Then somebody came up to me from WWF, WWE, and said, would you mind if we marketed these? And I said, what I mind, I insist. <laughs> so they, they would sell them for $3 a piece. I would get a nickel of Frisbee. But win, lose, or draw, I would go to the venues. And I would be nice to people, sign the autograph. Do, and if they couldn't afford a Frisbee, uh, no problem. I would sign anything they had. Sign a lot of arms. Uh, <laughs> sign a lot of pregnant women's uh, you know, <laughs> bellies. Brilliant. Uh, I think I signed a few breasts. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only if they asked me for it. <laughs> it had to be consensual. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and, then, and then when I did leaping, I dotted the eye with the nipples. <laughs> Love now it. let's keep this show classy. Of course. <laughs> um, so one thing I'm, I'm intrigued by is um, obviously you, you quite famously had a, a stint of wearing um, full night armor for a number of the, the bunkhouse battle Royal matches. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of super intrigued firstly of, um, of sort of how that idea came about and, um, and sort of how difficult it was to, to work with that. Um, it seems like it might be quite restrictive really. So um, yeah, I'm just sort of intrigued by that. If you don't mind. Oh yeah. I'm, I appreciate the question that, proves to me that you did your homework. <laughs> and uh, so um, I must admit, this was not an actual suit of armor, but this was theatrical armor, the kind that you would buy from a place called, well, if you're going to London's West End or Broadway, there's a place right, called yeah. Ruby's in Queens, New York. And um, 
this was theatrical armor, very light, uh, looked good, but uh, no way was it armor. Okay, um, so I don't know. Uh, I had an idea that I would wear a suit of armor into the ring and then take it off and wrestle. And I tried it in Memphis. And as usual, I made a fantastic first impression that people went nuts. But then they run wrestling every week and every Monday in Memphis, every Tuesday in Louisville, every Wednesday in Evansville, Indiana. And then they have spot shows. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, the second time you saw the armor, it meant a hell of a lot less to you. Mm. Okay? And yeah. it, it's like it got a big pop, and then it went wah, wah, wah. So um, that's the way that worked. So then I wore the armor on TNT with Vince McMahon, and I did a poetry. And he says, Lanny, that was great. From now on, you do a poem before every match. So I acted a little blasé about it, but inside my 12-year-old boy, I said, yes, because there's nothing worse than a wrestler without a gimmick, mm -hmm. especially when, you know, you know, leaping Lanny, but uh, once you've seen a couple of my matches, there aren't going to be any new flips, okay? There's going to be mm -hmm. the old flips, you know what I mean? Because I only had, I wasn't like Owen Hart where he had a vast... Uh, arsenal of flips mm. you know I just had my own flips which mm. were like numbered in six okay so then Howard Finkel gets an idea the late Howard Finkel fantastic guy mm -hmm. and now led down the aisle by his <laughs> manager Elizabeth boom, 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 boom. and I'll yeah. tell you Howard helped get Randy over as well as anybody mm -hmm. so anyway uh they're going to have a bunkhouse battle royal, and, he's, and uh, Howard Finkel says, we want you to wear the suit of armor. Can you wrestle in it? And I thought to myself, yeah, I wrestle in it. But by the time it was over, all those battle royals, I took the armor and threw it away <laughs> because it was ruined. Okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah, what, no, what did I tell you before? It wasn't, wasn't real. real armor. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Uh, now that you have that in your mind... You know, you know that it's not that easy to wrestle it. And if it. somebody bangs your head, it's going to hurt a little bit. And it's going to go... Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> so finally, I took the helmet off, and I remembered who potatoed me, and I went whacking them in the head. I said, that's for hitting me in the head with the... You know, so I... You know, you, learn, you live and learn. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think, you know, I mentioned it uh, briefly before as well, you know, it's well documented on the show that one of my favorites of all time is obviously the late, great Mr. Perfect, uh, Hennig. Um, and obviously you were synonymous with him um, as the genius and obviously a huge part of, of my childhood growing up as well. So I guess I just wanted to know what were some of your fondest memories of, of, of your time working with Kurt? Well, the whole thing was a fond memory. Mm. Okay. And uh, I remember when they first put us together, uh, Howard Finkel called me on the phone and he said, Lanny, we're going to do six vignettes with Mr. Perfect. And he's going to be doing horseshoes, ping pong, high diving at the diving board. Um, let's see, uh, what else did he do? Is it the football one? The captain's football? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't his partner then. Um, oh, yeah, I suppose think. that was one of the early ones. Was it the uh, bowling maybe? He, no, that was an early one. He did golf, mm -hmm. um, and I can't remember the rest. But I, I was married at the time, and I told my wife, I said, I've got an idea. I said, I've got to leave tomorrow, but I want you to keep my daughter hushed up. I'll go in the bedroom, and if this doesn't work, I'm going to go to the library, you know, because i got to have quiet. I said, I may be in there for two or three hours. Keep my daughter quiet. She said, okay. And do you know what alliteration is? Mm-hmm. That's Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Uh-huh. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, how many pecks of pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick a pick? But I always thought, if they did it alliteration, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. What's the word of doing in there? 
It doesn't start with a P. So it's going to be alliteration or it isn't. I'm getting mad. Okay. So this is my chance. So I told my wife that might be in there a few hours. So give me some privacy. So five minutes later, I come out and I said, I've got it. And uh, good thing I'm a real genius. I said, personal perfection plus prolific ping pong paddles positively panics people's pointless pride. It's just one of many things that poor Hulk Hogan cannot do. And that just makes the genius feel good inside. And, uh, and then I still have people come up to me. The best thing they liked about that vignette was Perfect was beating that guy in ping pong. And I was the referee and I said, Perfect one, you, nothing. Perfect three, you, nothing. And I said it with such disdain, you know, like, anyway. Then uh, the other one that was pretty good, from the diving board of life, we see the form of Mr. Perfect looking absolutely confident and cool. The genius wants to see Hulk Hogan duplicate these dives. But first, I'll drain the water from the pool. So <laughs> it's very cartoony and campy, but I liked it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I, I loved all, uh, all all those things, you know, growing up and, and seeing it. Um, yeah, it was it was so good. Obviously, you working with Kurt. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he was a fun guy too. Um, just so tragic the way he died. But, yeah, um, definitely. Acute cocaine overdose. The reason mm-hmm. I mention it, if anybody out there is thinking of taking cocaine, just remember you're on a high wire without a net. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, looking at the, um, oh, while we're talking about the, the, the sort of um, these vignettes and, and the sort of gimmick of perfection, um, it must have been sort of a hard one to sort of execute at times. So are there any, any particular sort of ideas that maybe didn't land or any, any ones that sort of uh, there was a lot of mistakes happening or, or went a bit wrong when, when they were trying to sort of execute them? Um, any, ask that again. You mean, uh, did I do anything as the genius that should have got over but did not? It was sort of just like if there's any sort of a, a any any sort of amusing stories that sort of like that maybe didn't land an execution yet with them. Um, as I say, it's 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 sort of a difficult gimmick to put across at times, isn't it? Yeah, it was difficult. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was fun for me. I loved it, and uh, you know. Okay, to answer your question, mm. when I knew that they were done with me, you know, you can always tell the handwriting on the wall, okay? Right. And um, I thought to myself, maybe I should go to England, go to Stratford-upon-Avon, and do a couple of vignettes about William Shakespeare. I went, I went to Stratford-upon-Avon, and I paid for a crew to come with me. And, uh, you know, to make it first class. Mm-hmm. And I went, William Shakespeare is buried here. And here is his famous shrine. I truly feel his greatest work was not as good as mine. He hid behind his these and thou's, lying on his knee. I've read his verses A through Z, and some are pretty lame. Not only is my poetry more stunning to behold, but Shakespeare is very, very dead, and I'm not even old. A lot of you have never seen the genius misbehave. Now watch as I show no respect for William Shakespeare's grave. <laughs> and then, um, so then they did, that was one vignette. And then I did another um, and then another. And then um, if you want to see them, go on geniuslandypapo.com. Right on the first page is my speech for inducting my brother into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And then if you go into it, you see videos you'll see Genius versus Shakespeare, and you can see all three. And uh, I showed it, I, I was in Ottawa, Canada. I took all the film, we edited it down. I was the, uh, I told the girl what to do. And um, this whole thing cost me some money, but I was trying to uh, salvage the ruins of my career. You know, mm. that they were done with the genius. Mm. And, um, so I played it for Vince, and he gives me that look, and he says, very entertaining, and he walks off. 
and which means very entertaining, a verb and a pronoun. <laughs> Can you guess? Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not so entertaining. <laughs> You're not going to see it? I definitely won't. You know, yeah. anyway, that's one. And uh, when I, SummerSlam, we were at Wembley. You guys old enough to know that? Young enough? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I get there early, and I'm thinking to myself, come on, Lanny. This is probably, I could tell that the Beverly Brothers were going nowhere. Matter of fact, Vince was very upset with them because, you know, they, they got American Airlines and to fly about 200 people in and got a good discount. And then these guys go ahead and take their American Airlines tickets and cash them in and then take Northwest Airlines and bring their wives in. And Vince got mad and says, if you, if you wanted to bring your wives in, just tell me. Don't do that. He says, you made me look like an ass in front of American Airlines, you know, because they had a deal. Mm -hmm. And um, so I knew we were going nowhere. And I thought to myself, come on, Lanny. This is the final big show of your life. You could come up with a better poem than what you got. And all Vince wanted is brevity, you know, and uh, which means he likes shorter. <laughs> so um, I said, I'm going to um, go upstairs and see if I can meet somebody that can tell me. We didn't have Google back then. I wanted to know what's so great about Wembley. You know, and I didn't know what was great about it. I just knew it looked great, you know, and it looked old. Had to be historic and phenomenal. What did they tear it down already? Oh yeah, the uh, the they tear it down, build it back up again. So it's now like a big stadium. So it doesn't have the the history that it that it used to have. Yeah, it's not quite the same, no. So anyway, I I didn't meet anybody, but I saw this plaque, and I read the plaque, and I got. I copied down all the information from the plaque. And then I said, no, I got to make this brief and make it tie in for the fact that the Beverly brothers are going to be wrestling against Tugboat and Typhoon. Uh, the, the, what, what, uh, not natural tugboat, natural but, disasters? The natural disasters. Mm -hmm. So I go, um, from the home of the Olympic Games of 1948, to the World Cup of 1966. I know the date. Now it's SummerSlam at Wembley, and the genius holds the key. Behold, the future champions, the brothers Beverly. So I thought that was like the best poem I've ever written, you know, with, with the economy of words mm. and the rhythm and the meter and the rhyme. And yet you take it and turn around and make it for the brothers, brothers Beverly. They're going to be the next world champions, which, of course, they were not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't really pan out <laughs> for the for the Beverly Well, Brothers, no, it? but uh, it's entertainment. So, oh, you know, that was my 10 seconds, um, you know, of whatever I could do. And uh, I was proud of it, uh, you know, best I could. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I think as well, just briefly before you uh, went on to manage the Beverly Brothers, you obviously, again, in the program you had with Kurt, um, you managed to beat, obviously, Hulk Hogan uh, via count out, of course. Um, but I think, you know, he was undefeated uh, for like, what, two years or almost two years at this point. Um, can, you know, can you describe that time? Uh, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I kind of saw you run a lot of talk shows and stuff like that around the whole kind of program that, that yeah care have with Hulk so what was it like being like in the, the super main event scene at that point well I, my wrestling career lasted 21 years I mm -hmm. spent 8 years with WWE WWF whatever you want to call it and I have to say that those 4 months of being in a main event were the greatest 4 months of my career uh, naturally the birth of my daughter and my two grandsons were also pretty great Mm, but yeah. if you're just talking about the career, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, yes, and uh, I was that's the reason Randy wanted me to write a song for Be a Man Hulk on his rap album, and yeah. I said I can't do it, 
He says, can't or won't. I said, both. I said, Hulk Hogan took me off the scrap heap and gave me the chance to wrestle him on Saturday Night's Main Event. And then he goes and I didn't expect, you know, the finish to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, it was his idea. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, and then I would turn around and use my talent to blaspheme him on a yeah. legitimate, I said, I can't do it. And uh, he says, well, thank you for nothing. And I said, look, you want me to help your CD? I said, I'll write a nice, beautiful tribute to Mr. Perfect called The Perfect Friend. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I wrote it. And then by the time I heard it on the CD, he had tweaked it to the point of I couldn't remember it was mine. You know what I mean? Because it was all different now. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, that's the way Randy was. He tweaked things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, obviously we've had um, that you work with with Kurt and, and managing the Beverly Brothers. Um, and whilst it it may have been a company decision uh, from a managerial role because it's something that you fit into so naturally being uh, sort of having the way with words that you do. Um, but uh, sort of, did you prefer being in that sort of managerial role and, and doing that sort of work more than the in-ring work or was this just sort of uh, sort of how it naturally evolved? Well, I was so happy to be on the main events. I didn't really care, mm. but um, I, at the time, felt like I still belonged in the ring. And if mm. like they... If they hired the genius now, of course, um, I would only be suitable um, as, a, as a manager as far from the ring as I could be. Because in December the 28th, I'm going to be 67. And uh, thank you, thank you for saying I don't look it. No, and, no, uh, yeah. yeah. There was definitely a head shake. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so next one from us. So obviously, uh, after you left the WWF, you went on to sign with WCW um, on a multi-year deal. So there was a lot of rumors at the time Randy had acquired the rights to the gorgeous George gimmick. Um, and, you know, the rumor was that you were going to come in and work a program with him. But obviously, you were with the company from like 95 to like 99. Um, but you would never really make a, a, a true on-screen appearance. What, what kind of happened? Well... People ask me that question quite a bit. And uh, thank you for bringing it up. And I'll just give you the truth. Um, First of all, Randy told me he's got a great idea for me. He wants to make me gorgeous George. wants me to bleach my hair, uh, put extensions in it, and, uh, you know, this and that. And uh, I said, oh, I said yes, but can I tell you that the gorgeous George gimmick has been done to death. Okay. And uh, the first thing I did, okay, they bleached my hair and it hurt my scalp. It burned it, you know, and I didn't do it myself. It was professionally done, mm-hmm. but a professional can really ruin your hair too, <laughs> you know? And uh, my hair is turning gray now. I don't know if you can tell, but um, back then it was like all dark brown with just a couple of grays. Um, you know, I don't mean to, uh, is it okay if I'm a little vulgar? By all means, go for it, yeah. You know, now that I'm going to be 67, um, I noticed that even my pubic hair has got a few gray hair in there. <laughs> and uh, I was very upset to discover this. And looking back, so were the people on the elevator or the lift, as you say, in England. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Brilliant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you call it the lift, right? Uh, we yeah. do, well, elevator works. I mean, well, yeah. Fair, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mainly lift. Our, our common slang. See, is That's lift. the joke. That's the joke. I said, I was a little upset to see the gray hair. <laughs> and so were the people on the elevator. You know, of course. Like, that'd be a very bad place to examine yourself for gray. So I, I just, I like to keep it light. You know what oh, I mean? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, of course. And, in, uh, in memory of Kurt Henning, who always turned it into a joke. Yeah. So um, let me see. Um, what was the question? I forgot. <laughs> so it was obviously just um, around, obviously, 
what what happened with your time in WCW? You were going to come oh. in as uh, Gordas George, but yeah, yeah we never so I really... bleached my hair, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't look like Gorgeous George. I looked like the Scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so, and then I was uh, working out, sunbed. Randy would check my physique. I was also taking human growth hormone, you know, which really works. Yep. Except when you stop taking it. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I was conscientiously trying to make, Randy said, the, the phone's going to ring real, real soon. You better be ready. And I said, okay, I get ready. I'm, I'm getting myself, boy, I'm sunbed and I live in Florida. So Mr. Sun too, the real sun. And I had a good tan. Uh, I can't say I had a hell of a physique. I never did have one, but for me, it was pretty good. Mm. Um, and then uh, the phone never rang, but the money came in and I spent none of it. And uh, I have to say that because of that and the wise investments, uh, people ask me, are you really a genius? No, but I'm the real Ted DiBiase. Yes. <laughs> love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. See, um, if you have a hole in your bucket, it doesn't make any difference if you make the money of Ric Flair. It's going to go, whoo, you're going to be right a down. Dealing, <laughs> right dealing, dealing, a son of a gun. And at the end of it, with a hole in the bucket, he's got nothing. Mm-hmm. And me, I just got an eyedropper, blink, 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 blink. But I got a good bucket. and. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, I got more water in my bucket than anybody. So yeah. uh, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. I think that's I like a brilliant that. analogy as well, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So um, the next thing I want to ask, and um, it, oh, it was... excuse me, let me no. interrupt you. No, let me always. interrupt you uh, to go because we're going to change subjects and I'm going to forget. No, that's fair. Uh, before Randy got me the deal, he had also gone, gone to Slim Jim and got a deal for WCW to, to get $750,000 per year for the WCW. And mm-hmm. guess, what, guess what WWE did? They tried to, they tried to keep the uh, Slim Jim contract, and guess who they chose to compete with Randy? What? Who was that? Yeah, I don't know. Bam Bam Bigelow. Now... Nah. Before, before you start laughing your ass off, uh, do an imitation of Randy and then do an imitation of Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. If you do an imitation of Randy, you can. Mm-hmm. Because he was unique, one of a kind, special. Oh, definitely, yeah. Bam Bam was just another screaming fat guy uh, sack of manure. Mm-hmm. That You've seen a million of those guys. Yeah. I slipped you. So... Randy goes, ooh, Slim Jim, yeah. Now, yeah. who's, come on, who's going to win? No competition. Never going to compete, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Otherwise, I was going to hang up on you. Very good. <laughs> no, well, you're 100% right. There's, uh, there's no comparing. It's um, such a unique character and a unique person, Randy. Um, mm-hmm. never I remember I was, I was Bam Bam's bitch for about three weeks, and uh, he didn't wash his uh, tights. And then he got me in a leg scissors. And there I am wondering if I had made a bad career decision <laughs> uh, by getting into professional wrestling. And it smelled like a combination of pneumo- uh, ammonia and cat piss. Oh, not good. Yeah. It was a bad combination. It was a heady mixture. And he had me in a leg <laughs> And I said, he had me in the leg scissors. And I said, there's got to be more out of life than laying in a leg scissors. From Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> Literally, damn, damn Bigelow. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Not good. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, See, yeah. wrestling is not all glamorous. That's it. The, the insights in the biz that we just don't we just don't get to know, you know? It's, uh, no. Well, no. <laughs> put yourself in my shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not good. And I remember he came into the locker room, and he was late, and he was bragging that he just got um, orally pleased from a from a girl that was a wrestling fan. Yeah, and he said, "I just got a BJ from an arena rat," is what he said. <laughs> Except he um, 
didn't say BJ. So right in front of about 15 wrestlers, and nobody really liked him. I mm. said, I hope you kept the receipt. <laughs> and everybody laughed. He said, what do you mean, Papo? I said, you are a very ugly man. And if somebody gave you a blowjob, I imagine that uh, you would have had to pay him. <laughs> How did they make it through the ammonia and capis uh, stench? <laughs> Like that, no? right. I said, how did they make it through the ammonia and cat piss stench? You know, oh, yeah. wow. See, this was, after, <laughs> this was after we stopped wrestling. Now he was on main events, and it was going to his head. And then I remember um, he used to stay at the Acme Ritz, Central Arms, Waldorf, Plaza, Ritz, Carlton, whatever the hell it was. And, um, and then, like... He moved to Florida, and he was always being the newspaper. They were trying to get him for non-payment of child support. Mm. See what I mean? Mm, In other yeah. words, he treated himself real good, but he didn't even support yeah. his kids. So, Definitely had um, a big uh, a big hole in the bucket. Um, he had a hole like. in his bucket. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Mm. Mm-hmm. No but anyway, but uh, we don't speak all of the dead, so let's. Let's yeah. just say he was um, that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Let's put it this way. If I enjoyed working with Hulk Hogan, I least enjoyed working with Bam Bam. That was my the top and the bottom for me as a heel. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good to know. That's good mm-hmm. to know. So, um, yeah, the, the next one... Um... And it's something you've probably, you, well, I, I know you've gone through a few times, so uh, apologies. But uh, I'd just like to ask about, um, obviously, the 2015 Hall of Fame inducting, uh, obviously, your brother, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, and just if we can sort of discuss any sort of fond memories that, that people may not already know about about uh, your relationship with your brother. And um, and if it's okay, like how it came about in terms of the... Um, sort of the induction into the Hall of Fame as well? Well, what I can tell you is uh, Randy didn't want to be in the Hall of Fame Mm. uh, unless they put in my father, myself, and him as the Poffo family. And what gave him the idea was uh, the Von Erich family. Yeah. Where Randy thought Fritz deserved it. Carrie certainly deserved it. Mm Mm-hmm. Kevin deserved it. David deserved it. But Chris and Michael did not deserve to be in there. The only thing famous about them was their last name, not their first name. Yeah. yeah. So um, we were, um, it was my father's birthday and he died 11 months later. And uh, Randy says, um, we got to do a, a party for dad at the Olive Garden, his favorite restaurant. And I said, oh, don't bring dad to a restaurant. He's pathetic. He can't really be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. He was, um, so I just lost my one millionth argument in a row to Randy. Oh, we got to do this for dad. I said, okay, but he won't enjoy it. He won't be happy. You know, he's miserable. You know, he doesn't like to leave the house. So, (laughs) And uh, so we bring him in and he's miserable and he can't talk. He can't do nothing. You know, he's just tired and wants to go home. Yeah. So yeah. Randy says, can you believe they're putting in the Von Eric family into the Hall of Fame? What a joke. He says, give it to Fritz. Give it to mm-hmm. Kerry. Give it to David. Give it to Kevin. But Jesus Christ, when you're going to put in um, you know, Chris and Michael, holy shit. That's mm. like the, Lou Fez isn't even in the Hall of Fame. And they're yeah. putting this, this guy in? Oh my God, this is ridiculous. So then he says, if I ever go in the Hall of Fame, it'll be as the Popple family. If the Vineras can do it, he said, Lanny, you suck. And at least you're better <laughs> than Chris. <laughs> I said, thank you. <laughs> well, Such a way with words. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, that's how he showed his love. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if, and at least I knew how to take a joke. Otherwise, they would have found me hanging in my room mm. with a note, you know. But uh, yeah. anyway, so uh, 
after Randy died, um, John Laurinaitis calls me. It says, Lanny, how do you feel about Randy going into the Hall of Fame? And I said, Randy wanted to go in the Hall of Fame as a member of the Papo family, Angelo, Randy, and Lanny. And I said, these were his wishes, and that's what I'm telling you. Mm. He says, okay, thank you very much. And, you know, uh, I didn't hear back from anybody. And then something happened to me. I turned 59. Now, I know 60 is the magic number, but for me, it was 59 because that was the day that I was older than Randy. Mm. Randy died at 58 and a half, and I had never accomplished anything in my life that wasn't eclipsed or dwarfed by the macho man. But outliving him was one thing, and it's a very important thing. Mm. So I Mm. said, what am I going to do about it? I said, Randy used to make all the unpopular decisions for the family because he was the oldest. Yeah. And I said, it's my turn. And I said, from Star Trek, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Mm. So I said, I went home and I, I would took care of my mom for six years after my brother died. I went home and I said, mom, I got to put Randy in the Hall of Fame. He said, well, that wasn't his wishes. I said, do you know how many times I got my wishes? Never. I said, I am making the unpopular decisions for the family now. He said, but he wanted to go into three of us. And I said, but they're not going to do it. Mm. You know, so, uh, so then I get a call from Mark Carano. And he just got fired for, didn't he post something ridiculous? Yeah, we saw that. I think he um, he, he basically sent some of the uh, the released talent uh, their stuff in a bin bag <laughs> or like a, tra- <laughs> a trash bag, and that that was kind of the the end of him. <laughs> so, did he ever come back to the WWE or what? Um, so he was there. He came back, but now I think he's gone again. Um, yeah, uh, that was a rude thing to do. Mm. You know, put a garbage bag. You know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, tell tell me how you really feel. So anyway, it's sad enough when you get your, uh, you know, you're told your services are no longer required. Mm. So anyway, uh, I get a call from Mark Carano and uh, he asked me if I would be in uh, Louisiana, uh, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, because they're starting a WWE network and they want to interview me because they think I can talk on the microphone pretty good, I guess. So I said, okay, but I want to tell you something. I want Randy inducted into the Hall of Fame by himself. Oh, I'll get back with you. I'll get back with you. Okay, thank you. I'll call you right back. So 30 minutes goes by, and he says, Lanny, we can't do it in New Orleans because we only do one posthumous inductee into the Hall of Fame per year. And this year, it's going to be Paul Bearer. But if you can kayfabe, which means shut up, Mm -hmm. till next year in San Jose, California, and we want to be the ones to announce it, so don't put it anywhere. Yeah. Well, I told my mom, but she doesn't have a Twitter account. (laughs) Yeah. So so then that's how I, uh, the very next year, 2015, I... um, I inducted Randy into the Hall of Fame. Now, Randy's hero was Pete Rose, and he's a baseball player that is not in the Hall of Fame. And he claims that Pete Rose is more famous for not being in the Hall of Fame with something he is obviously overqualified for. You know, then, uh, so Randy thought it would be better not to be in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. But in my opinion, who's more important, the macho man or the macho fans. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. One. I think to your point, yeah, it was definitely one for the many as opposed to the few. Yes. So, and you know what was really sad is Bruno San Martino, he gets in the Hall of Fame, but all of his fans are dead. Mm. Yeah. He should have gone in when, he, when his fans were alive. Yeah, it's not the same. You know, he's 100 years old and he gets out there and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Bruno, Bruno, Bruno. You know, <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was a good speech and everything, but um, these fans don't even know who the hell he is. 
you know. Yeah. So, uh, but it's, wouldn't it be, you know what, people said I did good speech, but you know what would have been a better speech? If Randy would have got out there with his silver hair <laughs> and, and did one last, ooh, yeah. Now yeah. that would have, that would have been great. You know, definitely. Yeah. Like I um, said, I did my best, but the best was not, I mean, it was shame on them for not doing it earlier. Yeah, I mean, that's that. That's the thing, isn't it? I think, you know, fair play to you. Obviously, Randy wanted the whole Poffo family in. You know, to your point, that wasn't going to happen. And, you know, you've made that tough decision. And the fact is, he's in. He deserves it. And, you know, I I liked your, I, I liked your speech. I thought it was fantastic. So don't be too well, Thank you. And uh, if you go on <laughs> WWE.com, um, it's on the front page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you click on it, and there it is. And um, I treated it like a eulogy. Mm, yeah. You know, like it's something, you know, when, and, you know, even though he had died in 2011, like four years before, it's still a eulogy for me. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, of course. Um, so we just have a couple more questions. Obviously, really uh, grateful for the amount of time you've given us so far. But um, I just wanted to ask you, obviously, you were present um, at All In. Um, obviously, you know, that was a, a monumentous moment in the wrestling world. Did you think you know, when you were there, that that would be the catalyst for a whole new promotion that potentially take the wrestling world by storm? I was very impressed with the promoter mm. and I was pr- impressed with all the people backstage, very nice people and great talent there. Um, I, in the back of my mind, was hoping somebody would offer me a job, but since they didn't, I've decided to go to Ecuador and live the rest of my life in absolute comfort. And uh, it's, it's the land of eternal springtime in Quito, Ecuador. We're right on the equator, but we're 9,000 feet altitude. Um, wow. And it's 50 degrees low, 70 degrees high, 12 months a year. I know you guys are Celsius, so let me figure it out quickly. <laughs> it's 10 degrees Celsius to 21 degrees Celsius. Uh, the land of eternal springtime. How do you like that for being a genius? That is, yeah, that is good. It, yeah, sounds and, you perfect. Know, some great weather as well, you know, considering we're just used to rain and like, you know, two degrees on a <laughs> on the regular, really. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you guys uh, have a little bit of, you know, I believe the UK is a beautiful place. <laughs> oh, and uh, I was in Scotland in Dundee and uh, the guy, the promoter calls me up and, and says, is everything all right? And I said, yeah, there's one thing I demand. I said, I want to sing uh, the uh, Scottish national anthem. Now, that is God Save the Queen, but that's mm-hmm. not what they sing at the football game. <laughs> no. <laughs> because I got bad news for you. They hate you. Oh, they yeah. yeah. Basically, <laughs> oh, independence. Yeah. They've, they've made that very clear. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I was in a, I was in the middle of uh, a big protest. Uh, like, we went out, you know. Of mm-hmm. the... So anyway, I go out there, and I said, O flower of Scotland, when will we see your like again? Who fought and died for your wee bit hill and glen and stood against him. Against who? Proud Edward's army, wanker, and sent him <laughs> homeward. They think again. Those days are past now, and in the past they must remain. But we can still rise now and be that nation again that stood against him. Against who? Proud Edward's army, wanker, <laughs> and sent him homeward. They think again. So Did they just anyway. erupt. <laughs> and then and then I went, oh yeah, take the high road and I take the low. <laughs> And then they say, please stop. Wow. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I had a good time there, though. And I ate um, blood pudding and haggis. Uh, what do you is... think? Well, um, then I put my head in the loo, and uh, <laughs> I, called, I called for Earl. Earl! No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm curious, um, did did you know what haggis was before you tried it? Because a a lot of people believe, don't look at the, don't look at what it is. (laughs) Try it. Tell me what it was. Tell me what it was. 
it's um it's the well it's it's a few different ingredients but it's um obviously it's sheep's bladder um with oats and various different um meats that you wouldn't typically uh or like wouldn't traditionally eat um and as i say it 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 arguably tastes nicer than than the description <laughs> so um <laughs> well if i was going to eat a sheep's bladder all i can say was at least they didn't pull the wool over my eyes Hey! Oh, sorry, sorry. Fair points. Love it. Anyway, I'm sorry, but uh, I my favorite joke. Oh my God! Uh, what was Lord Alfred Hayes told me a joke, um, and he says, uh, "Never mind. I can't say it." No, do it. Do it. Okay. There were there was this uh, Polak and an Englishman, and they would go to the clubs, and the Englishman got all the girls, and the Polak has not gotten a girl yet. So the Polak says to the Englishman, teach me what you know. I mean, you get all the girls, I get nothing. What is the deal? He said, just go up and say, tickle your ass with a feather. <laughs> or what if she doesn't like it? Then you just cover up and say, particularly nasty weather. Oh. <laughs> so... He's, he doesn't think he can do it, so he's practicing. Tickle your ass with a feather, particularly nasty weather. So he's drinking that liquid courage, you know, and he's, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. getting, so it's now it's getting to be closing time. He had his eye on this girl. He goes up, and he's very nervous, and he says, shove a feather up your ass? She <laughs> says, what? And he says, colder than fuck out, ain't it? <laughs> So obviously he didn't get the picture, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not quite. The <laughs> and same. and when you dr- when you drink a little bit, you get courageous. When you drink a little too much, you just get stupid, you know. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a like delicate that. balance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we use that method quite regularly on the show. To be honest, we do, we do. <laughs> um, so obviously, while we're talking about uh, about all in and about um, sort of the current product, as it were. Uh, I, uh, just out of curiosity, is it something you still sort of keep an eye on? Do you, do you watch the current WWE product or AEW as, as it is now? Um, no, I don't. But I'll tell you what. Um, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, um, Dustin Rhodes, um, and Chris Jericho, and all these guys, and much more than that. Mm. Um, they are fantastic, they are great, and they are young and hungry. And I think the fans should go to see them and support different organizations. You know, go to WWE, but also go to AEW. Oh, yeah. And uh, I like to see all the guys make money. You know, I don't... uh, There's... See, what I'm saying is more than one person can sit at the table of life. Oh yeah. yeah. And and I think that it's great for the young guys to have a couple of choices and places to go. Definitely. Definitely. That's something like <laughs> if because uh, obviously if you if you look on social media a fair bit, you see so many people want to be in one one camp or the other. And the, for some reason as a fan, a lot of people believe that they can't enjoy both. But uh, both Carl and I have always agreed like competition's a good thing between the two. Um competition and, is the best thing in the world. Yeah. And uh, I felt that not in the ring anymore, but as an announcer or color man or something, mm. they could have given me a job. But since they mm. didn't, I have no animosity. Um, I've been, you know, when I think about things like that, when I'm living in Ecuador and I have a lot of time on my hands, I think how lucky I am because, you know, Magnum TA would have been one of the greatest wrestlers you ever heard of. But unfortunately, he broke his neck in a driving car crash. Mm. Now that is terrible and unfortunate, and I love that guy. Yeah, he's a great guy, and he sh- wouldn't you agree that if he hadn't had that bad luck, he could have been even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. So I'm not going to be crying in my beer over my life. You know, um, naturally, if the phone rang, I would pick it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but. Let's face it, I'm going to be 67, and uh, I'm very happy with my inactivity. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. 
Um, I think as well, obviously, we, we've seen you quite recently on a lot of other documentaries as well. So you were on, obviously, Dark Side of the Ring. You were on A&E's uh, biography uh, series, obviously, about Randy. Um, how, how was that, you know, filming those uh, documentaries? Was, was there, you know, anyone or, you know, were they different in any way? Like, how was the whole experience? Did you see, did you, did you see the other one, the autopsy of Randy Savage? I haven't seen that yet, no? Is no, that, is, not, yeah. Has that just come out? Yeah, it's on... Uh, what's the number one uh, station in England? I can't even think of it now. Uh, if you can't think of it, I won't bother messing with it, but... I mean, um, I don't know what they consider number one. I mean, we've got... I mean, BBC is the, probably the... Yeah, what's the second from BBC? Uh, ITV? ITV, Channel 4, ITV. Channel 5. Okay, ITV. it was on ITV. Mm, right. And uh, they actually... Uh, hired some people from Guayaquil, Ecuador to come to Monta, Ecuador, which is where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And I bought a condo and now I've moved to Quito, but I've got that condo as an Airbnb and that pays for everything I'm doing here. Oh, so fantastic. And, you know, and that's, uh, and I don't do any of the work. I have a hostess that gets 15% of the money and I'm not take, telling tales out of school. If anybody has an Airbnb, that's what it is. Uh, Airbnb gets 6%, the hostess gets 15%, I get the rest, which is yeah. great because I don't want to do any of that work. <laughs> no, you know, yeah, it I makes mean, sense, they, yeah. I don't have the skill or the will. No. So, uh, <laughs> no, listen, I, uh, I, some people are never satisfied. You know, there was a time when I felt that I wasn't being appreciated. Um, did you ever see the Battle Royal before WrestleMania 3? where Andre the Giant headbutts me and I'm bloody and he throws me over the top rope. Was it, you um, <laughs> um, I was going to say, was it the WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal where, where Andre won it or no. was it one just, be- just before WrestleMania 3? It was on NBC and it was done to get Andre as a vicious heel. So I was the sacrificial lamb. Right, so, okay. And, you know, everybody was please, please, please. But after it was over, there was no thank you. And then when they made the card, I wasn't on it. And I didn't get a bonus. I didn't get a pay raise. I didn't get nothing. I took a razor blade and cut the super trochlear vein of my head. And then I walked over to Andre and I said, ready, boss. Ready, boss. And he headbutts <laughs> me, throws me over the top rope. And I knew that nobody would see that because there was so much talent on the periphery. Nobody would see me in the middle of the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, there's too much to look at besides... So um, anyway, I wanted to make sure I had enough before I even went to Andre, because if I didn't get enough, oh, they would call my name. Yeah. You know, but as soon as I, I said, oh, that's enough. But then I couldn't even, I took a towel on my head and I couldn't stop the bleeding. And the only ones that cared were Rick Martel, Rene Goulet, Macho Man Randy Savage and myself. Everybody else was just walking around me uh, like they were, uh, like I was inconveniencing them by dying in the locker room, you know. Well, unreal. Well, you know, I I did a little too hard, yeah. you know. But the thing is, I knew it was important. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. Yeah. Not, now that I think about that, I think about all those times I went out with a girl, had my way with her, and never called. Now it's <laughs> happening to me. Now it's my turn. How do you like it? In other words, you, give, you, give, you give everything you've got, and then okay. So then, you know, you, one might say that nobody in the history of the wrestling business has given less and gotten more, especially thanks to my WCW contract. But don't forget that was only a fraction of the uh, of Randy's procuring the Slim Jim contract for the WCW. Yeah. So in other words, it wasn't me that sunk the ship. Mm-hmm. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> But uh, thank God for small favors, huh? It's never hurt me to be the brother of the macho man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, oh, was... and by the way, I'm pissed off about A and E Network. How come okay. they got here? Okay, they're talking about Randy and Elizabeth, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. Randy didn't handle that right. Well, I don't give marital advice because I'm a one-time loser, married once, divorced once. <laughs> Jerry Lawler has been divorced three times how come he's not ashamed to give marital advice 
he should yeah. they should have <laughs> he said he should before he, he should preface everything by saying of course don't listen to me i'm a three-time loser but <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent know, point. That is fair, yeah. and if you look at his wikipedia you'll notice a little you know taking underage girls across state lines you'll notice uh a little bit of violence in the in the home you know mm -hmm. what i mean uh i'm not saying there was or wasn't i'm just saying it's been accused yeah yeah no definitely you don't see a documentary around around that do you <laughs> yeah so nobody had the balls to say anything when randy was alive but i got bad news for you i'm still here and i've got a good memory you assholes <laughs> yeah nice like it no, i think uh, I, I i think that's absolutely the right attitude especially with these sort of things they're just looking at what makes the money aren't they and it's um you know they, they don't it's media let me ask you a question you seem like an intelligent man thanks <laughs> especially with the glasses going on and the beard um if you were macho man randy savage would you want elizabeth to take a shower with brian knobs Ooh, Thank no. you. <laughs> Good answer. Oh, no. Good answer. You know, why would you want, you know, mm. uh, so we got her, her own dressing room, but that was never locked. Nobody had the balls to check the door mm -hmm. because, you know, but now that he's gone, they think yeah. they have the balls to say it was locked. Yeah. yeah. It's easier to speculate, isn't it, sometimes and, you know, say these things, you know, to your point, no one ever can, you know, could prove that was the case. And obviously, you know the 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 word of mouth obviously ends up painting that bad picture, but um, yeah. So I'm gonna say, be careful, boys. Lanny remembers everything. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Thanks. So um, just while we're talking about the the documentaries, and um, this might be a little bit of an odd question, but we um, we we are. Obviously, we let our listeners know who we are going to be speaking to just to see if they have any any particular questions, uh, and one that kept cropping up, so I'll have to ask it as as um, as odd as a question it might be for you, is um, obviously uh, there was I, I think it was Dark Side of the Ring where um, the the filmed in your bed for the episode, um, and the question that kept coming up was like, whose idea was it to, to sort of film uh, uh, from your bed? Well, did you notice the TV on the ceiling? Yeah, it's like from the yeah, ceiling, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, when they saw that, they said, "Well, we got to show that." I said, "Yeah, oh. go ahead. They don't call me the genius for nothing." <laughs> you know it it's weird it, it it's kind of like taking on its own um thing like you know a lot of our listeners um a lot of people obviously on like reddit and, and other places of uh you know comment on it all the time so yeah it's a really intriguing question like you know who came up with the idea <laughs> to, to kind of do that, that that was me but if you go on you know it's like it's a ceiling mounted television mm. and then mm -hmm. i wanted it perfectly so i just could watch tv like just open my eyes don't have to do that that or that or that yeah you know so when i finally die you'll know there's very little difference between the way i lived and the way i died <laughs> i like it no, um, that, the tv that that is truly genius i know yeah oh thank definitely you genius. i appreciate that <laughs> definitely genius um so i suppose lastly from us then obviously some exciting news especially for our local listeners and fans of the show is that hopefully uh, you're going to be coming to liverpool next year um for for the love of wrestling 2 on april the 23rd to 24th it, um obviously me and anthony have got tickets already to hopefully meet you in person and thank you again for yeah, coming on the show yeah. but um you know you mentioned you've never been to liverpool you've been to a couple of other places i guess you know Firstly, I guess I want to know, obviously, what are your thoughts on the UK, the UK fans, um, and, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, the event itself? Okay, I love the UK, and I'm going to, uh, hopefully, um, if, if COVID-19 or the Delta variant doesn't mm -hmm. ruin everything, mm, um, yeah. I am very interested in being on your podcast, so we can get the word out, sell a lot of tickets. And uh, I hope that everybody has fun. Um, I am very, very nice to the fans. Mm -hmm. Real. Okay, I uh, oh, sorry, I come back. Later. I just got a telephone call and I just declined it. So uh, <laughs> when we're done, I will call that person back. Real. Now we'll try not to take up uh, too much more of your time. To be fair, but um, that being said. Uh, while we're wrapping things up, uh, 
just wonder if you'd be able to tell our listeners sort of where they can sort of go to sort of keep up to date with yourself, um, any social medias or anything like that. Um, yes, uh, www.geniuslannypoffo.com. That's G-E-N-I-U-S-L-A-N-N-Y-P-O-F-F-O.com. And uh, on the front page is what? You listen to me. It was the speech of the Hall of Fame. Because yeah. if anybody remembers my name, it'll be because of his. And I wanted his eulogy right in the front. Yeah. Macho man. Yeah, fantastic. definitely. Um, but no, honestly, Lenny, thank you. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor. Are you guys going to be there in uh, Liverpool? Oh, yeah. We, we've got tickets. We've yeah. got tickets. We've, uh, we've got <laughs> tickets to come and see you. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're already booked to see you. Yeah. Well, they, they're growing fungus now. You better do it quickly. <laughs> But no, like, honestly, hopefully we will see you there. You know, we're very excited. Um, and, you know, if you decide to come on the after party, we'll make sure that, uh, you know, we show you a good time as well. But honestly, okay. it's been absolute. <laughs> when you when you when you come up to me, I want you to say, ticket you off with a feather and then I don't know who it is. <laughs> you know, what? Lord, yeah, look, definitely. <laughs> Lord, Lord Alfred Hayes has a message. Um, <laughs> yes. What a, what a great guy he was, man. I'll tell you, I love Lord Alfred. What a guy. Anyway, thank you so much, guys. And uh, no, thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for helping the promoters to sell the tickets. And uh, because, you know, it's quite an investment. And, you know, let's face it, the COVID has hurt everybody. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We got to stick together. Definitely. Absolutely. But yeah, thank you again. Oh, it's it's so been much absolutely on the show. And uh, yeah, um, we honestly can't thank you much. So uh, take care and we will uh, see you soon, hopefully next year. <laughs> Tally ho. <laughs> Tally ho. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks again. Bye. Bye-bye.